somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, Well, we're just going to cover a bunch of things today uh, that are in the news, flying around, and uh, things we want to cover uh, that just basically corroborate the message that we've been trying to put out every single day. And we're just chipping away at, uh, at these things. Because um, the truth is coming out. I mean, the truth always does. The question is, is it too late? Is it, is it too late? You know, the truth comes out about election fraud two years into, you know, Joe Biden's term. And everybody knows, Joe Biden knows. That's why you're not allowed to talk about it. If it wasn't that serious, people would be allowed to talk about it. Because the truth is so real and so damning and so dramatic, you're not allowed to talk about it. But we're learning more and more about the Twitter files and, and about the truth. And they even overturned a, uh, an election up in uh, Bridgeport, uh, Connecticut, uh, where this, this woman was dumping off a whole bunch of ballots into these drop boxes. They got her on tape. Turns out she was like the election commissioner, rigging the election. She was black. I don't know. I just don't get it, why black people hate Trump. I don't get it at all. Trump literally and figuratively and anybody that wants to debate me on this can call in and, and, and try to have their way with me. But I have news for you. I'm, you know, we can get into all those little mundane things, you know, black unemployment, uh, opportunity zones, second, second step backed or whatever it was called for uh, relieving 
some of the lesser or smaller crimes on incarceration. But now, you know, we have these these rigged judges, these Soros judges, uh, Soros DAs, and what ha- and judges that are just turning a blind eye to crime, almost in the form of reparations, pitting, you know, uh, creating a racial divide that wasn't there to begin with. It was it was uh, that that uh, you know Obama. Barry Satoro, Manchurian candidate that's killing his chefs um, and getting away with murder. Um, It was he and his tranny husband, Michael or Michelle, whatever you want to call it, and writing letters and saying, you know, that he dreams of sleeping with the, the same sex every single day. He wrote that. In his own handwriting, Barack Obama. We didn't know that until later. Yeah, we just found that out like six months ago. He wrote that letter. It would have been nice if we would have known all the truth beforehand, but there was no disclosure. We found out about Reverend Wright until it was too late. Not God bless America, but God damn America. You remember he said that? Guy hated America. And then five days before the election, when it was already won, because he was going against no-name McCain, I mean, John McCain was the worst. His own campaign advisor said, the only thing we can do is put a bullet in Donald Trump. That was McCain's advisor. And... That was what was running against Obama, the guy who hates America. And he said, we're just five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. And I'm like, what the heck was that? I mean, five days away. (laughs) And I always used to say this on the radio. And it was actually part of my opening uh, before Trump. I had a different... Uh, introduction on the show and that was one uh, that was a clip trying to illustrate how cockamamie that statement was what were we in for and you know it is sad and and yet true that these mad people these these communists these these tyrannical people It just takes a few people to get elected to high office to fundamentally transform a country into something it was never designed or shaped up to be. This equity is code word for communism. It's not fairness. Equality is fairness. Rewarding hard work is fairness. Capitalism is fair. This social engineering construct is not fair. Please. But when uh, Obama said five days away from fundamentally transfer, he was not kidding. Who doggy? And so we have our work c- cut out for us ever since that man stepped foot in the Oval Office and, and ruined America. Uh, we are picking up the pieces. It's a shattered thing. 
And ever since Michael Brown said, hands up, don't shoot, and lied, and we're hearing about George Floyd, that was a lie. We're hearing the truth. There's a there's so much crime and so much injustice and so much going on in this country. It just makes me sick. But slowly and surely, you know, like the good guys are 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 getting punched in the face. And the little wins we get, like if Trump just gets one little thing, it's a it's a win. But they shouldn't be doing it in the first place. And why are Republicans leaders in Congress aren't stepping up and demanding? Finally, though, you know, with Speaker Johnson, we're going to talk about him today. I think is doing a lot more than McCarthy. We got a single um, single issue bill passed in the first 36 hours. We listened to Matt Gates talk about that. In the first 36 hours, we finally got one that McCarthy couldn't do in, you know, in six, mo- six months or whatever it was. I mean, the thing is, McCarthy talked a lot of promises, but, you know, they're waging a... Uh, a court case, not just in Colorado now, but Michigan. And they're trying to get Trump off the ballot. And it's not even a jury trial, meaning they'll probably get away with it. Can you imagine? I mean, the judge is extremely, extraordinarily liberal. It'll probably lose on appeal. But it's going to stand for a minute. And think about the money that has to go in to that. Think about the election interference just just on the money side. How much money needs to be spent on taking Trump off the ballot in Colorado? Think about it. And you know what they're using to sell their argument? The term, the definition, insurrection. They're saying, if you were involved... So then you go back and you say, oh, why were they calling the infiltration, the FBI infiltration... An insurrection. Why were they doing that? And of course, we always knew, we talked about it at the time, there's something to this labeling. Words have meaning. And the meaning of insurrection was trying to be passed by Nancy Pelosi in the dark of night, you know, and put out there as if fact. It was an insurrection. And everybody called it an insurrection. But it was not an insurrection. It was a rally speech protesting the election fraud that occurred. Which is why when we find out about election fraud today, it's actually kind of important. It's not about looking backwards two years. It's not about or three years. It's not about that. What it's about is to say, ha ha, see, that's proof. That there was election fraud that was committed. We have it on tape. We're finding out about it too late, but no, there was real reason to complain. There was real reason on January 6th to protest. And so it wasn't an insurrection. It was people that showed up without guns that were literally trying to right the wrong. And 
It was not an insurrection. There were no guns. The only person that got shot was Ashley Babbitt by Richard Byrd. A black dude shot a white woman. Uh, No trial. That was the crime of the century, in my opinion. How in the world did that guy get away with murder like that? But he works for the government. He worked on the liberal side of the government. And he got two standards of justice. He got away with it. Had nothing to do with skin color. Has everything to do with political ideology. If you're with Trump, you get killed in the streets. And if you're with the liberals, you get away with murder. And that's just the way it is right now in America. It's a, it's a god-awful place to be living in a god-awful time. I mean, it's awful right now. I shouldn't use God that way because God's not awful. God's great. But I don't... It's a saying. In any case, we are just living in such a weird time. But these these things are very, very, very important. These these are very important things that we're living in. We got a caller. I'm going to go ahead and take this caller. This caller, I think, called in yesterday. Caller, you're yes, on the air. Uh, first-time caller. Good to be here. Wait, you're not a first-time caller. I think I've seen your name before. I thought you said before that you like first-time callers. That's true, but you you're not a first time caller you've called before <laughs> my apologies but where uh, are you had, from where are you I'm from at my the airport i was at the airport where are you from where are you calling from i'm calling from uh i'm at the uh, la uh lax but um down in san diego oh okay gotcha you, you can you can call me uh tyrant slayer 1776 on all social media platforms Tyrant Slayer, 1776. That's right. And then I'll be happy to contribute anything for your review. All right. That's great. All right. So what do you what do you want to talk about? Well, uh, I was inspired by your latest presentations, that, and I was taking notes. And they, it, it just struck me like rapid-fire facts. You were laying it down, you know. Why isn't this person in jail? Where's the subpoenas? Where's the action, you know? Why isn't the government moving in our favor? And uh, when you did the audio on Colorado, the prosecutor, and then there was a point you were making, it was um, the politicians... Uh, are the only ones, according to the uh, Constitution, who are allowed to decide who is eligible to run for election, not we the people. Right. Well, I mean, they're going through it, and they're saying, so these are the guidelines, right? If you meet these three factors, you're you're a 14-year resident, you know, you meet these these three um, categories, right, these you can run for office and you will get your name on the ballot if you get enough. And Trump obviously meets every one of the standards. So they're going to have to break their standard in order to, and they're going to have to write new statute and law. And this judge is radically liberal in Connecticut, but they're also trying to do it in Michigan. And it's, 
And they're using the term insurrection in all these court cases, which tells you exactly why it is that they're doing what they're doing, right? This is all about some next step that they want to achieve, which is to prosecute Trump in the media, in, in the school, in the world of public, public opinion, to get it to pass under the statutes of law, which is ridiculous. It's insane. Yeah, it's your, uh, as you say, uh, transformation, right? It's a tactic of transformation, short term, but it has a long term effect. You know, like a long term or strategy transformation would be uh, lawyers, you know, who are supposedly in conservative circles and then they flip, you know, or those who say they uphold rights for the people and that like the ADL, you know, ACLU, uh, National Lawyers Guild, you know, they were supposed to be parallel you know, to the ABA, and then uh, now they're, uh, you know, uh, flavor of the month. That's the long term, and then the short term is let's intercept Trump and uh, keep him out, and then they overlook the people who aren't eligible, you know, in the eyes of we the people. Even in Colorado, there's one... Thug, his name is Hashim Copes. He's uh, like uh, up for murder charges and, uh, you know, uh, pedophilia with his uh, campaign managers. And then he's running for Senate in uh, the state of Colorado. Where's that evaluation? You know, they say uh, that the politicians we elect are a reflection of the society that we are. And they say this about arts, too. That what art that you see on the wall or that being produced, whether it's music or film or, or paintings, um, is a reflection of society, not driving society. You know, the chicken or the egg, cart before the horse, you know. And... I actually think that uh, there's a lot of, like over at Netflix, there's a lot of social engineering and manip- manipulation. But that's starting to fade a little bit because people are starting to tune out and everybody knows it. If you want to have a su- successful production, you got to get get away from the, the woke. People are sick and tired of woke. It's almost like old, old, you know, it's gotten boring, you know? So, so uh, you know, the, if they want to, if they want instant success, they're going to have to get their head normal. You know, just get back on to on the plantation or get get back, get your head right. You know, and stop with this social engineering, force feeding, and indoctrination uh, with your movies, and you'll succeed. And uh, the only the only the only films that are successful these days are films that that move away from that genre. But Netflix hasn't gotten the memo quite yet. But I think it's starting to turn. Well, yeah, because they have a need for us. We're the ones that are working. 
we contribute a lot to the tax base, and if we're not participating in uh, their agenda, you know, like giving our association, right, uh, rewarding them, uh, placating them, giving uh, our money uh, to be entertained by them, and the proceeds go uh, uh, against us. And so when uh, it's not a... It may not look like a few people, but the really that base that objects to what they're promoting is a lot. And I'm sure big tech is measuring, you know, who's interested in a woke agenda, who's interested in their portrayal. And uh, I'm sure the PR firms, they're uh, trying to shift their agenda for them. Well, I, I think that um, the housing market is collapsing. The, the auto market is collapsing. We're seeing more repos on cars and more foreclosures uh, than we've seen in a long time. And, you know, the housing market's very interesting. It's been propped up by cash stimulation. Um, and it's been propped up artificially to kick the can down the road and delay the inevitable. And by doing that, it's only it's only going to get worse. I think that what was probably going to happen, likely happen in 23 and 24 is now been pushed back to 24, 25, and it's only compounded by a worse scenario. And so a lot of these commercial buyers, not BlackRock, but Blackstone and a lot of other companies that buy these commercial, they, they, they commercial, they they buy residential um, from an institutional perspective. They buy up entire communities. And they're starting to look at their portfolio where they could get more return on their investment from a treasury bond than they can get now on their house, on the homes that they own. And so now that that's crossed the Rubicon. And uh, they're going to start unloading their portfolio onto the market. And no longer is there going to be a supply issue. It's going to be an abundant amount of properties on on fire sales. And the property values are going to drop at a point where interest rates are super high, like 8% and above. And that's going to be a recipe for disaster, except for the people that can pay cash and buy buy a house in 2025. That's going to be the time when People buying, paying cash are going to be able to profit from, uh, you know, that housing crisis. So I follow that quite a bit. What's that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a, I see them moving to uh, lease to not own because the pri- uh, the price of things. Are well, so isn't that what Klaus Schwab wants? Isn't that what Klaus Schwab wants? Isn't that what he wants? You'll own nothing and be happy. Yeah, well, let's look at uh, cars too. Uh, one of them, the cars, they're moving to mobility. You know, they uh, the EVs may be a downturn market right now, but they're moving toward mobility, which means like upgrading a phone. Once your phone is paid for, you're uh, eligible for another one. And right. the housing market is so high to opt out. There's a balloon payment that, you, you know, you just can't pay. And the same thing goes for 
the EVs, they say they're lowering the price, but for people with good credit, they uh, they have to pay as if they have bad credit. And then uh, insurance is, I think it's $300 a month. And then you look at that compared to what the average person is paying for a, a car that's not an EV. And um, so I don't know what the trade-off is there. And I think you're right with uh, what what Klaus Schwab is doing, his polycrisis agenda, you know, just like instead of being uh, a threat to our economy, and just be a threat on all levels and mm-hmm. all from all directions. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. It's, we're being, <laughs> you know, we're 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 walking into a trap, and I don't think people realize that we are like being herded. Whether it's a matador, you know, driving a bull into a red cape, or herded like sheep, where we just feel like we're going to go where the food is. Um, and they're doing it with food. Uh, they're 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 messing with our food, and they're messing with our energy. And they're going to mess with our cash. I mean, you can no longer protest without the threat of a bank dropping you from the account. Or you can't have a GoFundMe with Canada not wanting to freeze your money. I mean, you know, we've already seen this happen. And uh, the people that are in control are obviously socialist, communist, evil doers. And... This is why we don't want the control. I, I have no problem with digital. I love digital. I love get, taking my iPhone and, you know, and putting it in the air and just tapping the uh, screen and, and paying without having to go into my wallet and worried about an RFID scanner somewhere, right? So, no, it's, it's, it's fine by me, right? I, I'm, I'm a digital guy. I'm an IT guy from, you know, that's my background. Um, so I like tech. But I don't trust the authorities that are going to be in control of it. That's the problem, is trust. Do you trust Fauci? Do you trust NIH? Do you trust your government anymore? Do you trust the FBI? No, of course you you don't. No, so that's intrusive when they get that way. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned these things, especially uh, how you segue to, to Fauci, because he's part of it and the FBI is part of it. And uh, you mentioned in the news uh, the state of Montana, Biolab, uh, yeah. NIH, Anthony Fauci, and I'm grateful for that. And then I happened to uh, take a look at something. It was about 18 months ago. It's... Um, uh, Substack by Capital Sheila. I mean, it's not a big name, Substack, Capital Sheila. But, uh, she meant, she mentions, um, Biolab, uh, Defense Reduction, uh, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, Echo Health Alliance, DOD, Jarvis Island in the Pacific, and maybe a Russian connection. And she um, she also includes um, X, uh, Excel files to show contracts. In other words, it's not like a uh, secondhand description. She's showing the listings of those contracts. 
So in the news was uh, Montana and Fauci and um, NIH Biolabs, right? Approved. So I found this. uh, I said, let me dig up more because, uh, you know, Daily Mail, they're not, they're not, you know, bringing a lot of information, you know, little by little, little I, I, by little. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Daily Mail. I, I think that they yeah. they have some cutting-edge stuff. Them and the New York oh, Post are the best newspapers available. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Uh, Scott, they 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 can keep, if they, if they play their cards right, they can keep uh, the left uh, against the ropes with some of these things. Yeah. You know, it can uh, induce the the rest of the media to start inquiring. You know, good luck with good luck with that. Good luck Uh, with that. Yeah, you know, yeah, but it's it's uh, the media is being paid by uh, deep state. the The media is propped up by deep state to be a propaganda machine for the state. Yeah, and then we would wonder what. Yeah, and then that's the FBI, and then uh, they're working with all. Yeah, because the, the the feds, they're media reps too. You know, they're right. liaisons for the media. You know, and you've touched on that before. And then I, I was look. You know, I don't want to sound conspiratorial. I go with what you say, and then uh, we just research, and then we look. What if the media we, we is know, building? Yeah, I mean, we, we have to do it. it it's a DIY. It's a do-it-yourself uh, thing today. We are, we are living in a time unprecedented in 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 history, where we no longer have news. We have nothing but a deep state propaganda arm. It's been controlled for a long time. I'm going to play a clip here in a second with the Rockefellers. It's going to blow your mind about the Washington Post. And uh, I have a bunch of audio that I'm going to be playing today. So I'm probably going to have to go here. But uh, I, w- I appreciate your call in today. And it was nice chatting with you. I've seen you call in before. Yeah, it's all the best. And uh, thank you for uh, inspiring me to want to listen more and share your content on social media. Thank you. All right. Take care. You too, sir. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that is, uh, comes up Frank Rizzo, but uh, I, don't, I don't think it's Frank Rizzo. But uh, in any case, um, Frank Rizzo is the mayor of Philadelphia, but I, that's why I remember him. Uh, he's called in years ago. Um All right. I do have that clip. I have a couple of clips. So what we were talking about before the call, is, and that was an unexpected call, but it sounded like we, you know, he, he knew what he was talking about. And uh, so we talked about a lot of things. But um, this, when we bust election fraud, like the woman in Bridgeport, right, who's stuffing memory, we found this tape and that happened. We we're like, okay, now the judge, a liberal judge, overturned it and said, basically, we're going to overturn that election because it was fraud. Well, they could do that there. They could do it anywhere, right? Um, not that we want to rehash the 2020 election, but we know that it was fraud. So by declaring that the fraud occurred and the Bridgeport case 
indicates that to the point where they're redoing the, they're nullifying the election for a local council or whatever it was. Then you got to say, well, then what's going on in Colorado today and in Michigan tomorrow, you know, or whatever, about Trump being put off the ballot and all these indictments, you know, you got to say, well, this is this truly is election interference. This truly is. You know, everybody had a right to complain. And it's it's a shame that they are being denied their voice. That they've been censored on social media. All of this plays into the 2024 election in a big way. Because there was legitimacy to the fraud. Just ask Carrie Lake in Arizona. So we have these audio clips. Uh, because I said I would play the um, the one... I am going to go ahead and I have tons of audio today, but this Rockefeller one is very much in line with what I was talking about. The media being controlled. The media has been controlled for a long time. And that's the scary, scary part. Let's take a listen to this audio. This is Rockefeller's 1991 leaked speech will give you chills. Let's take a listen. Is his media allies, but his confidence that his words would not leave the room was later broken. We are grateful to the Washington Post and the New York Times. Time. We are grateful to the Washington Post and the New York Times. Magazine and other publications whose directors have attended our meetings and restricted their promises of discretion for almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the right fight of publicity. But the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march toward a world government. That these men aim to create a world system of financial control in private hands, able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole. In short, they seek total and quiet control of the entire world. Yeah. Is his media ally. That's that's the Rockefellers. You know, the Rockefellers are also the ones that talked about um Nicholas Rockefeller uh talked with Aaron Russo and said that the women's lib movement run by Gloria Steinem was all about getting your kids into kindergarten earlier and doubling the tax base. Get more workers paying taxes and then get both parents to be forced into the workforce. Raises inflation to the point where you can never go back. And then who's going to take care of the children? Of course, they're going to go to school earlier. Indoctrination. Kindergarten. Right? A garden. Kinder. Children. Children's garden. It comes from German. If you know a little bit about German, which I know, um, then you have uh, this indoctrination of children at an earlier age. Very simple. So back in 1981, predictive programming or a warning from the past, this 1981 movie, Early Warning, Okay, that's the name of the movie. It was a two-bit movie. 
trust me, this movie, you could look at the production value, was not that good. 1981, the movie's called Early Warning, eerily prescient about the events we're currently living through now, including the global energy crisis, food shortages, devi. So we're going to take a listen to this. This is uh, almost two minutes, not not quite two minutes, but you got to hear it. This was a B movie, like not even an A-class movie, right? A movie you've never heard of before called Early Warning from 1981. Let's take a listen. Since our last meeting, we've made tremendous progress. And I'd like to say that most of the credit goes to our extremely efficient International Research and Development Committee. I would like to thank each and every one of you for your hard work and dedication to our cause. In reviewing this year's progress, let me say that we have been highly effective in conditioning the people's minds to accept our solution to the world's problems. The energy crisis here in the United States was exceptionally successful worldwide, and we expect similar success with our upcoming food shortage. Our labor leaders have made great progress by causing confusion and work stoppages in all areas of the world. Financially, the dollar is being devalued even faster than we could have hoped. Politically, the public has lost total confidence in any form of government. The threat of universal war is a daily possibility. As you know, we ourselves do not need to hold any visible office of leadership. As a matter of fact, it's better that we do not. If we control the finances, news media, food, transportation, energy, we control everything. It is important that you, as world leaders, keep our program before your countrymen. With our World Bank and computer program operational, we now have the capacity to control the financial affairs of every human being on Earth by giving each person his own computer number. Anytime his number is used, we would know his financial situation at once. He could not buy or sell anything without his computer number. It will simplify their lifestyles tremendously. The end result will be a one-world monetary and government system that we alone will control. <laughs> 1981. The movie is called Early Warning. Wow. We are living that nightmare. And that was, that was supposed to be scary. I'm telling you, folks, what we're living through right now is unbelievably challenging and scary. We don't even know that we're bleeding. We don't even know that we're hurt. We don't know that we're at war. This is uh, something we got to get our heads around, that this is serious business. That, yeah, during war, you still have to go and make, make food. You still have to cook a dinner. You know, I mean, we forget about this because we watch movies and we think that war is a constant explosion. But during war, we have to go about our daily lives and we have to try to work with the system that's in place for us. That means we have to do our job. We have to get that paycheck. We have to, 
you know, we have to do the stuff we have to do because the rules don't change just because we're in more. We have to play by these rules and abide by these laws and regulations and restrictions. We have to do it all. But what we're dealing with today is very challenging. Unprecedented. So we talked about election fraud. Uh, James O'Keefe came out with this new um, thing that uh, says donations to Win Red, the Republican counterpart to Act Blue, don't add up. The top donor in North New in New Jersey says she did not give one hundred fifty four thousand to Win Red, despite what FEC data says. I can't imagine that I did that. She said. So the FEC says she donated over 10,000 times, but told us she only gives a few bucks to win red a couple of times a month. So this is kind of an interesting. Retirees reportedly are giving hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in tiny amounts. So you know what's going on here, right? Big corporate donors that are violating campaign uh, rules are being anonymous and they're being the payments are being broken up and act blue's been doing this they they, they were working hand in glove with uh black lives matter act blue is you know being supported by all kinds of terrorist groups and george soros style groups let's take a listen to this eight thousand times even if it works for you why is that an issue it doesn't seem possible that you donated that many times. You're right, you're right. It doesn't, so that's actually disturbing. We're investigative reporters. We're just trying to figure out there's some fraud happening. You're, this is your name on the FEC website. I can't imagine that I did that. that that's like impossible. That's impossible. That's impossible. Well, my name is James O'Keefe. Have you heard of that before? Yes, I have. You've heard of James O'Keefe? Yes, wait. <laughs> James O'Keefe. Come in. I you want to come in. Yeah, I'll, I'd come in, yeah. There's this data that we looked at from this man in Wisconsin who compiled all the FEC data, and your name in New Jersey was the top one. You remember our Act Blue story from March about tons of mysterious cash being funneled into Democratic campaigns by unwitting donors? Well, we just learned that the Republican counterpart to Act Blue, Win Red, is apparently in on it too. Data we obtained from the Federal Election Commission seems to suggest that countless unwitting campaign donors are giving huge amounts of money to various candidates, but they're doing it in thousands of small transactions spread throughout the year. But what exactly are they hiding? We decided to pay a visit to the most active political donor in the state of New Jersey, according to Federal Election Commission data, to try to figure out what's going on. This retired education administrator told me she gives a few bucks here and there to win red a couple of times a month. There's this data that we looked at from this man in Wisconsin who compiled. So it, this this gets into a, like it's a seven minute clip, but I wanted you to hear that. What's happening is big donors, corporate donors. Those donations are violating the limits. Like, I think it's a $5,000 limit and stuff like that. So these big money corporate donors, are uh, payments, are, are donations are being broken up and allocated to people already on the books. And that's what's happening. So the people that donate aren't really the ones that are getting the respect that they deserve 
It's these corporations that are because that's where the big money's coming from. And the workaround to getting around, skirting around some of these laws is that the money gets divided up and allocated as small donations. So when someone says, yeah, all of my donations are small donations, it's because they've been broken up. Big corporate payouts have been broken up and redistributed without, without the person knowing. And this woman here, this poor woman, saw the spreadsheet of what she was reported to have donated and it was far different than what she actually donated. All right, so we talked about Speaker Johnson. I want to I want you to hear Speaker Johnson say these words. This was so perfect. Um, I'm very happy with the speaker and I've talked with a lot of people who are also very happy with Speaker Johnson. Let's take a listen. I talked about the core principles of American conservatism, and that's individual freedom, limited government, the rule of law, peace through strength, fiscal responsibility, free markets, and human dignity. Under under each of those, there would be subcategories. But that's what we stand for. I call them the core principles of American conservatism, but it's really the core principles of America itself. We're different. We're exceptional. The reason we're the freest, most powerful, most successful nation in the history of the world is because that's what we stand for, and those values and those principles are under assault right now, and we have to defend them here every day with everything we have. I, I talked about the core principles of America. I just thought that was so well put, right? Um, that that we got to get back to basics, and that's what it seems like he's doing. Let's take a listen to this. Regarding Israel, um, while House Republicans are leading on approach, we're also leading the charge to support our cherished friend. And last week, in one of my first acts as speaker, we passed a resolution reaffirming our commitment to Israel and its moment of peril. And now, as Israel begins the next phase of its war, it's been kind of disturbing to us. I I love this phrase. Now, this is very interesting. The left keeps talking about a ceasefire, a ceasefire, a ceasefire. I'm all for ceasefires. I think think the wars are driven by money laundering. So, uh, you know, I'm not the... But... From that perspective, okay, from this perspective, I love the way Mike Johnson put this, and you're about to hear it. Well, as I've heard Democrats uh, suggest that there needs to be a ceasefire. Let us be clear. We've been very clear about this. There was a ceasefire. It was before October 7th, and Hamas broke it, and Israelis suffered unspeakable acts of evil, as you've heard even recounted here this morning. Israel doesn't need a ceasefire. It needs its allies to cease with the politics and deliver support now. And that's what we're doing. House Republicans plan to do that. We're going to do it in short order, and it provides Israel the aid it needs to defend itself, free its hostages, and eradicate Hamas, which is the mission that must be accomplished. Well, I I think this war could have been avoided. Um, I think it would have been avoided uh, with a Donald Trump as president. Um, I think that you have Jake Sullivan, the biggest idiot in Washington, Dumb as a rock. Uh, he was uh, Barack Hussein Obama's right-hand foreign policy expert. Uh, total academic. A total buffoon. Jake Sullivan is is just scum. And and dumb. He's, he's not very bright. And uh, this radical left-wing ideology of, of propping up Hamas and and, and other terror groups on freezing money to Iran. 
not following through with the Paris Agreement, I mean, not the, the uh, Abraham Accord, uh, engaging in the Paris Agreement, all of this stuff, you know, has a lot to do with energy and natural gas. It has to do with oil prices because Iran and Russia both profit from the high oil prices and they take those profits and they invest them in 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 engagements and it's just stupid foreign policy to not recognize and that you know it climate this climate change initiative run by John Kerry is literally causing the wars that we're actually seeing because it's creating opportunities for profit margins for aggressive nations to um, infiltrate or consume or take what they think is theirs. You know, if we brought Russia into G7 and made it a G8 and opened up the Nord Stream pipelines and gave them access to selling oil to Europe, all of Europe would be better. If we didn't start these conflicts in Syria and Iraq and the Middle East and Afghanistan, we wouldn't have the refugee crisis that we have. Europe wouldn't be overridden right now by a bunch of uh, radical terrorists. Our country, if we simply would just secure the border, the corporations would have to pay more, yes, for their labor. They wouldn't get it on the cheap like they're doing. But that would get rid of the corruption, the drugs, the fentanyl, the cartel. It would, it would weaken the cartels just by simply building a wall. The cartels would be shut down and out of business overnight. But instead, they're allowed to prosper, again, financially. And that just allows them to buy more guns, more drugs, and more opportunity. See, I mean, there's consequences to every situation that are non-conflict situations. You know, like climate, energy, energy independence, peace through strength, secure borders. Everything that America First is about would have prevented these wars because a nation that takes care of themselves is a stronger nation and a better nation, a nation full of democracy and a nation where people get behind their leaders instead of the leaders bowing to the pressures of financial opportunities, whether it's BlackRock or it's the World Economic Forum or the World Health Organization. These global interests are the problem for sovereign countries. All right, so let's take a listen to the latest on. Oh, Rand Paul puts forward amendment to audit the Federal Reserve. Let's take a listen to this. I have a lot of audio clips, and we're probably running out of time for them, but I'm going to play this one. The Federal Reserve effectively controls the economy, but without scrutiny. No other institution has so much unchecked power. The Fed demonstrated its unlimited authority during the pandemic. 
the Fed printed money, purchased government-backed securities, and doled out massive amounts of money to favored industries. The result added almost $5 trillion to the Fed's balance sheet, the largest in our history. When Dodd-Frank ordered a limited one-time audit of Fed actions, the Government Accountability Office uncovered that during the financial crisis, the Fed doled out over $16 trillion to domestic and foreign banks. This kind of inflationary bailout should not be kept secret from the public. While the Fed's easy money policies make the rich richer, the side effect is high inflation. As Milton Friedman famously explained, inflation is taxation without legislation. Congress cannot control the Fed's actions, but Fed actions can cost Americans dearly. Just ask any parent who has to feed his or her family during historically high inflation rates. My amendment would require a full audit of the Fed within one year. It is time for the Federal Reserve to operate in a manner that is transparent and accountable to the taxpayers. I ask for a yes vote. Yeah, uh, so Rand Paul puts forward an amendment to audit the Federal Reserve. I think that's a, probably a very good idea. Um, we also need to uh, audit much better uh, money that goes overseas. Um, I have a couple of other things. 80% of Texas district attorneys are funded by George Soros. It says it right here. Let's see. What... 80% of Texas district attorneys are funded by Soros. We can't get a child sexual exploitation case in the court in Texas because the DAs won't take it to court. They own them. They own the system. They feed the system. So the, the, the schools bow to their master and they go, that's what's going on right there. You know, that's a clip I could play. It's a minute and a half. We don't have a minute and a half. Um, uh, Kamala Harris was recently talking about uh, more BS. Uh, Kamala Harris announces the country's first national strategy to counter Islamophobia to combat a surge of hate in America. <laughs> I could remember when Kamala, along with support from Corey T-Bone Booker, and Jesse Smollett fought to pass an anti-lynching bill in the Senate. How did that go? Right? They're just a bunch of BSers, honestly. Um, it's about trying to censor one party uh, while allowing another party to, to do whatever they want to do. It's so ridiculous. They keep going to the same playbook. It's so old. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out magapack.org. Make a donation if you can. If you'd like to see Scott Adams' show completely commercial-free all the time, also use Red State over at mypillow.com. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.